Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. And I don't have a mic today. I'm, I'm flying, you know, I'm in my parents' house. I'm got a jet overhead. I'm kind of winging it a little bit, Jack. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. I feel like we wing it every week. You're in Jacksonville, Florida, and nothing speaks like uh, podcasting after a Women's College World Series run, much like Jacksonville, Florida. So let's get well, into it. Yeah, I mean, I thought the World Women's College World Series was here. I had my tickets showed up to a random stadium. I was like, what in the world? And now I'm just here with my parents. No, um, covering UVA, which is exciting, UVA baseball. So uh, that has me here. But I was able, they had enough rain delays that I was able to actually watch a surprising amount of Jamie softball. Yeah, UVA baseball rained out every single second of every single day, it seemed like, which was, it was hilarious. Bennett would be texting us about what game he was covering or, or what he was working on. And it felt like he was covering the same ODU UVA baseball game for four days straight because ODU played UVA and then the next game got rained out. And then the next game just took 18 hours to complete. Well, I appreciate the, so the Monday game, that second game that got rained out was originally slated to start at seven o'clock. They moved it up to 5 p.m. And I kid you not, the rain started at exactly 5 p.m rains for four hours and they cancel the game and i was or postpone the game i was cracking up because jmu played at four and i was like sweet i'll watch this before going over the stadium for the seven o'clock game then i was like nope so i missed a bunch of the beginning end up watching as they sort of lose the lead late really when i didn't watch they're up like one zero through three innings turned it on and they get out scored seven or nothing so is it my fault you know i was leaning towards that did you watch at any of the second game against oklahoma I think I watched part of that one. I definitely watched the full Oklahoma State game and the full first Oklahoma game. I think I was kind of in and out. I saw Sarah Jubis's three-run home run in the second Oklahoma game um, and, and kind of watched a little bit at the end, but didn't get the full experience per se. Yeah, it was a time. It's it's come to an end, but what what a journey. I don't think – as I'm stuttering, trying to put it into words, I don't think you can put into words kind of what JMU did. Like they didn't get to the championship game, but in route to trying to get to the championship game, they managed to take down the number one team in the country, holding them to three runs, which was absolutely insane. 
and then they proceeded to take down number five Oklahoma State, both on a quote-unquote neutral site, but the Women's College World Series, as everyone knows, is in Oklahoma City, which is, I think, 20 miles away from Norman, Oklahoma, and I'm not sure how close it is to Oklahoma State, but I don't I think it might even be closer. Like, it just absolutely home games, but managed to win those by a combined score of six to four, and then a close game, which I guess we can talk a little bit more about, which I think they should have won that first, the second Oklahoma game, not because of the hole in the fence, just because of the amount of opportunities they had. And then the last game against Oklahoma, which started off fantastically and then just slowly slipped away from the Dukes with each batter, each hit. And uh, it was a little sad. It was a little sad. But but what an impact. Like, you try to put this into words. I just can't. Like, the impact it made not only on the softball world, but all of the sports world seemed to be watching. Yeah, I mean, it was it was cool. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you're a JMU athletic program, right, the goal is a national title. So a failure of a season, in my opinion. No. <laughs> Just an unbelievable year for them. You know, sorry to interrupt, but you know who probably has that outlook? Ezra Duke. <laughs> I don't know if the, our listeners have seen Ezra Duke on Twitter, but he's the most pessimistic. He probably listens to this podcast, takes notes, and thinks about how he could complain on Twitter to us about it. He was probably like, this is I like that guy. He's more active during football season. I missed him a little bit the last <laughs> few weeks. But, I mean, just an unbelievable run. And it was kind of hard to, hard to explain. I was thinking about it the other day, but it's like – Normally, if you watch March Madness or any of these events, or even if it's like like the Little League World Series, I feel like people are able to kind of captivate the country during that time. And maybe it's golf or tennis where an underdog story rises up because it's like you don't watch that a ton. But when it does happen, people are kind of aware of it. But it's, rarely do you have like a Cinderella star like Odyssey Alexander, someone who rises up the nation doesn't know about. I know she's obviously really good. Um, so not taking anything away, but she was kind of a Cinderella star in this tournament. And it's, it's crazy because, like, we all know everything about her. Or not everything, but, like, we're very familiar with her. So to see, like, ESPN and the Washington Post writing stories and doing all these features on her when we've watched her for four years is unbelievably cool. And it just feels like every time you're near someone, you, like, have to tell them that you're familiar with that. Like, that's how I felt. It was like, oh, I've seen Odyssey Alexander for four years. Like, it's no surprise to us. Like, it was just felt really cool. It felt like you know, one of your own, one JMU person is captivating the nation. It, it's so cool too, because like Megan Good definitely got some some publicity, especially her freshman year. She was really good against LSU in the Super Regionals. And she was really good when they beat Michigan in the Regional. But she never had a Women's College World Series experience. She never became like, you know, I don't think she got a ton of ESPN and Washington Post features on her. Yeah, people like, aren't people don't tune into the super regionals or mm-hmm. even the regionals, which is where Megan had probably the most of her success. Um, they tune into the women's college world series though. And yeah, like it, it's just awesome to sit back and then hear these stories that we didn't really know either. Like ESPN did some digging and like did reporting of their own, which I don't think you necessarily see a lot at the March madness, like at the March madnesses or other the college football playoffs like they're retelling the stories for the national audience they were telling stories about odyssey i didn't know her grandparents raised her and she pitched at a concrete block and like i didn't i knew she was under recruited but i never knew mickey dean went to go see a completely different person and was just amazed by odyssey's ability in the circle i didn't like so much of it 
so much so many of the stories we know what odyssey is in the circle we know what odyssey is as a jmu player but as a human being the stories weren't really told about odyssey and they came out in the women's college world series and that made it just so much more impactful i think her her journey through the women's college world series I have almost no opinions on like the actual games that happened. Like, I think if you're a Jamie fan listening to this, you probably watch them and are somewhat familiar with what happened and, and everything in those games. Um, so that's something that, that I don't have a ton of takes on, but like, I hope that, that it, people in the local media, especially um, realize kind of the lightning rod that Jamie softball can be and would tell more stories like that. And I know that's hard, especially this year, like spring football, but I think people do care if the team is good. And I wish there were more, stories about it where it feel like people came in late and and we're kind of talking about things later which i understand a little bit but even like the breeze like tell me some stories that i wouldn't know like i shouldn't you shouldn't have to wait to the fifth year and some of this is i guess you could say my fault i was in the breeze for like three years when honestly was there but i mean you can't tell me as a jmu sports fan that i should have to wait until the fifth year senior who got like the extra year for covid makes it to the women's college world series to know like how she started playing softball as the best softball player on the team. And some of that even probably falls on athletics communications, which might know that more so. And it'd be cool if they like, I don't know, brought had more in-house stuff or anything just to tell us what was going on. Even if they don't do in-house, they could find stories and then pitch it to the DNR, the breeze or whatever. Like, I would like to know more about these players. I'd like to know more about Kate Gordon. When's the last time we read like anything about Sarah Jubas? other than Sarah Jubas being really good at softball. Like, how did Sarah Jubas become really good? Why did she pick JMU? All these things. Like, there are a lot of... Clutch. What what goes off in her mind when it's a 3-2 count with two outs and two two on? Like, what? Like how does she hit a home run there? Like, what has... Yeah, exactly. i just like to know more about the team, and I hope that that happens in the future. Even, like, give me something on Alyssa Humphrey. Like, is she going to continue that line of great JMU pitchers? Like, I'm excited for next season and the content... They lose a whole bunch. It's kind of unclear exactly who they lose. I think most of the fifth-year seniors, Lindsay Meeks made it seem like she is leaving, um, which makes sense because she's enrolled in another school. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I just want to know more, and I hope that that's part of what this run did was maybe not even so much like national attention for JMU, even though we can get into that, and it obviously brought a lot, and it's reasonable to expect JMU to get a Power 5 offer. Right. I mean, it's coming, you know, I mean, the PR of adding this up. Podcast listeners can't see if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, you thought <laughs> podcast listeners could not see my intense eye roll right there. No, but it's obviously not going to do that, but it's good PR for the university. It's really cool to see Jamie on a national stage. But for me as a Jamie fan who consumes stuff regularly, give me stuff next year when ESPN does not care. Like, I want to know about the team next year, even if they're not, and I probably don't think they will be, a Women's College World Series team. I want to know how this helps in recruiting. I want to know, like, who the players next year are going to step up. I want to know more about the team moving forward. And I want to see the stories of, in two years, we're talking about how did this Women's College World Series, did it flip any commits? Did it, was Florida State sniffing around a JMU verbal commit? I I just saw Shane Metlin's tweet, and from 2015 that made me think of this but like was Florida State sniffing around a JMU verbal commit and this women's college world series run made her harden her stance and wanting to go to JMU like not just next season but I want coverage now like we've been we've both been big softball people especially especially during my time at JMU I was really into softball I loved working those events 
But since leaving, it's been kind of hard to follow the team. One, because they just play an insane schedule where they're playing a Tuesday at two and then a Wednesday at four, like just weird schedule. But there's no dedicated beat writer. There's no coverage. You don't know, like when Odyssey went out earlier this season, there was no one to tell us what was injured. When she went out, was it last season before the COVID shutdown? She went out and no one knew what was wrong. And like, JMU fans shown it, it it was so apparent and it was apparent through our engagement on Twitter and that seems like such a weird thing to like gauge it but we were hitting home run after home run on our tweets stuff that wouldn't go that high with football like softball fans are a crazed bunch and they will find the content and I just want to see WHSV DNR the breeze give more coverage if we were given access we would be giving like the any type of story we could on this team like they just deserve so much and it would it would get clicks and i because at the at the end of the day clicks are what you know drive everything but a softball story would get clicks a softball beat writer like maybe not a full-time beat writer but Get get a writer to a game a week, a weekend doubleheader. Get a writer there. Get someone to tweet it. Get someone to ask questions at the post game press conferences that are that happen between a reporter and a coach on the sideline on the third base side. <laughs> like, do something. Like, yeah, you, I think you hit it on the head. Now I'm just kind of rambling about it, but I no, agree I mean, wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think that's right. It'd be cool to get more information and stories and like a detailed feature on Odyssey Alexander at some point even before the end of the season would have been, I think, just as interesting as reading, you know, an analysis piece on men's basketball or, or the football team or anything like that. Not to say I don't care about the, like, I love, it showed through in our podcast and our coverage. We both are football heads and we love men's basketball, but when it doesn't come to transfers, which is we're completely out of the transfer time for men's basketball, and it's when it's football off season, you don't need to keep pumping me with the same analysis, just with different quotes. Like, and and I'm, I now, even not just softball, baseball would probably command coverage if they're actually good. Um, but like the smaller sports, women's golf had a fantastic season. Men's golf, tennis, women's tennis, men's tennis, cross country, all of these other sports. Like, there's stories there, and I think it just showed that probably not to the same scale that softball is, but if JMU is competing at an extremely high level, I think JMU fans will care regardless. And if you can find a story to tell within a team that's on a national stage, JMU, JMU nation will flock to it and claim it as their own and become the biggest supporters. Yeah. I mean, I'd even be interested, like just big picture stuff with every sport, like women's tennis, like how did, coach Shelly come in and, and transform them from a team that seemed like they were really good, then lost a coach, a really good coach, head coach, um, and their top player and still become an NCAA tournament caliber team in some of these seasons. And then like baseball, like the Valley league is huge in that area. Baseball, people care about baseball and the team stinks. Like to me, that would be a storyline too. Like, tell me what's up with Eikenberry. Like, is, is he coming back? Like if, if he, if he does, what does he need to do to, turn the team around so I mean anything like that I think would be big picture and exciting and with softball it's like 
you know, we had talked about them all season, how we were excited about them. And then to not really know anything about the team until they're in Oklahoma City and their season's going to end in a day or two, it was kind of frustrating a little bit. So, I mean, I understand why it happened. And it's really hard, like, if you're the DNR and you've got, what, like, a basically a two-person reporting staff in the football team played in the spring, you're probably not going to get a whole lot. I totally get that. Most of our podcasts were about football. Like, it's it's hard. I just wish that there was more. And I think this run might actually lead to more, Yeah, which excites me a lot as a softball fan. I also think for JMU casual fans to get a taste of, like, what softball can be, especially on this level. Like, I think there are going to be people who make it out to games in the spring that are regular season games. are like, I want to watch Alyssa Humphrey. I want to watch, you know, the players who come back and the, the new players and see this program develop. I think JMU could take a large step from this. Yeah. And I mean, that postseason, it was just so much fun beating Oklahoma in extra inning. Like, I don't think, I don't think this postseason, like you couldn't have written a better script outside of winning the championship then like then what happened though like JMU fans no one really expect like if you we said this last podcast if you said you expected JMU to beat Oklahoma in that first game you were lying to yourself and just the way they were able to do it with high intensity high drama extra innings odyssey's dealing and then they the next game they beat Oklahoma State in a 2-1 low scoring high high drama type of game that's what you want in postseason play that's that's what gets people excited. You know, if they went out and they lost those games, I don't think JMU cares as much. JMU Nation cares as much. But it was just absolutely the perfect way to win those games. And it was just awesome to win those games in general. There might have been a, a football play at some point that was really dramatic that I forget. And I know Justin Amati had some big-time dunks. But, like, Odyssey Alexander in the seventh inning against Oklahoma State, picking up the bunt in front of home plate, oh, diving yeah. and getting – that is – by far the best play I've seen this year, probably since I started watching JMU Sports. Like, I'm going to watch that for years to come. Like, that was unbelievable. And not only that, then the impact it had on MLB, because then you tweeted from JMU Sports <laughs> News that, like, MLB players are already copying Odyssey Alexander. But then it was funny, because the Seattle Mariners would literally later that night posted a picture of both of the plays, and they, like, said – I forgot what they said, but they added Odyssey, and, like – they they played into it. I thought that was hilarious. And also the fact that, like, you almost never see that play at any level where, like, a little grounder or <laughs> yeah. bunch goes to the pitcher who then dives and get it, gets someone out running home from third. And to have it happen in, like, a two-hour span <laughs> was hilarious. Sports works weird like that. But then after the Oklahoma game, Oklahoma State, you're riding this high, and then the game gets rained out. Wait, was that – no, the, the, the Sunday game they play, some momentum going to Sarah Jubis home yeah. right to tie it. They have some runners in scoring position, and then they lose. And then the rain out, which just extended everything. I think you hated the rain outs from the UVA ODU perspective, but I love this rain out. It extended this game. It put more eyes on it on Monday. Despite the loss, the standing ovation that Odyssey got – from an Oklahoma crowd, I've never seen anything like that in sports. I don't think – and I don't think I ever will. The Women's College World Series is just unbelievable to begin with. Like, it's so cool to have JMU there, to have Odyssey become the star. That moment, like you mentioned, where they give her a standing O was crazy. I mean, like, Holly Rowe interviewed her at the end was, like, choking up for the, the way that she competed. 
it was that that final interview got me a little choked up it got it was it was emotional it was that whole run I mean I would I I teared up after they beat the Oklahoma in the first game like I was I was absolutely shocked and amazed and then I was my neighbors probably hated me after the Oklahoma State game because when she made that bunt catch dive out to preserve the one run lead in the set I was going absolutely bonkers but then just the way it finished you just were kind of sitting there and you're like it I didn't really feel sadness when they lost or like sorrow or like any downness. It was more just like they did that. They beat the number one team in the country and then they put them on the ropes for two games. Granted it was a seven, one loss, but for a majority of that game, it was one, one high stakes. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was so cool. And I wrote earlier when I previewed them, like before the regional started, I was like, are they a national championship contender? No. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I will I will say that I was wrong on that. Like, they were every bit good enough to upset Oklahoma again. If they had done that, they would have had a good chance. I think Florida State beat Oklahoma last night, so they're a game up. I think Florida this. State, are they playing right now? I think it's probably a night game would be my guess. Um, but they'll probably, I guess by the time you listen to this, they might have, have wrapped that one up, and they might be uh, – we'll see what happens there. But Florida State's playing pretty darn well. But Oklahoma's Oklahoma's scary. And like everyone in this this group, like after two games, I was like, all right, Jamie and Bama, that could be the title game. And now it's Oklahoma, Florida State. Like, I mean, there's such a thin line between advancing in this and not for them to put themselves in position to have one game to make it to the finals was crazy to me. And not like one game to make it to the finals. And then they were so close in doing it. Like the, the only part that hurt about this whole journey was that second game against Oklahoma and just having so many runners in scoring position. It seemed, I think like for the first four innings in that game, they had a runner on second and they struck out or flew out or finished the inning with runner in scoring. Cause I think they were one in seven, one for seven, something like that. And that was what hurt, not the hole in the outfield wall, just not being able to capitalize on the opportunities. Um, but at the same time, you're facing Oklahoma, like, it's going to be hard to advance your runners to turn your runners over and manufacture runs. But that was kind of, that kind of hurt. But in the end, it was absolutely amazing. Such a good run. And I'm, I'm so excited for the program and, and sort of where they will go from here. I think they've got potential to, to do a lot of good. I'm excited for next season across the board in sports. It was also cool just to have a JMU team in June. Like we have a, such a small gap, right? It's like, what is it like two ish months and there's going to be a ton of football content coming in. So I'm pretty excited for what's what's next with the entire athletic department, but for softball to do this on a national stage, I was talking to to someone the other day and they're like, how does this, you know, compare to football in 2016? And it's like, well, it's way cooler because they're going up against the actual best teams in the country. Yeah. Like there's not, I was thinking about this. There's not a football team. And of course I'm doing the like men's sport comparison, but there's not a, a football team that JMU, I guess that's probably the most popular sport. Um, at JMU. There's not a, a football team in the FCS that I would consider an upset if JMU beats them. Like, you could say North Dakota State, but I think they're pretty much on the same playing field. You can go to men's basketball, women's basketball. There are absolutely upsets that those teams could have if they played them. And to me, that's when it's the most exciting. Like, when softball played number one Oklahoma, in my initial expectation, we're like, we might get run-ruled. And then they win 4-3 to three in Oklahoma City. It's like, that's crazy. Like, the football team can never do anything like that unless they're playing an FBS game. The football team can never do that, period. Like, it's just, like, if they ever went to Tuscaloosa, 
or let's say Birmingham, because let's have a neutral site that isn't really a neutral site, and played Alabama, they would get throttled and lose seventy-two to three. Like, and th- and that's no that's no slight against the fo- JMU football team. That's just there's such a difference in a gap in scholarships and everything in football. I think that's also what makes basketball, women's and men's, and softball, and even baseball so much fun when it comes to these types of these types of tournaments because there isn't the difference between FBS and FCS. This is all division one. So you all have the same scholarships from that point of view. Granted your facilities and your resources are different, but that's what just makes it so much fun. Like the fact that they can just go and take down Missouri in three games and beat Oklahoma and take down Liberty and Tennessee. Ah, it was fun. I guess we can just jump back into it. The craziest part of the whole women's college world series wasn't the fact that they got there. Wasn't the fact even that they beat number one, Oklahoma, because you can kind of have flukes like that. I think it was the fact they beat Oklahoma, then beat Oklahoma state and look dominant. They were so good. Like honestly played really well. The lineup did just enough defense. Field Oklahoma made a diving catch, and I was like, "Please stop! Like, just please stop doing this." <laughs> you kind of broke up there, but I assume you said the said, Oklahoma defense in the second game, where they were hitting like catches. little flares. The diving catches were insane. I just I can't get over, and I, at this point, I feel like the podcast has now devolved into just hyping up Odyssey. But I think that's kind of what's deserved at this point. I would argue, and I won't get into that. It's not fair to compare her against other pitching greats at this point. I think it's just it's time to step back and just appreciate the pure dominance that she put on through the entire postseason. Over 1,000 pitches, about 90% of the team's innings pitched were all by her. Just absolutely insane. Averaging more than a strikeout an inning, just she was balling. She's got to be in the JMU softball goat conversation. Like, even after what Megan Good did, I think Megan maybe. Damn, you broke up again, bro. Career. You broke up again. You have me now? I have you now. I was saying she's got to be in the, the goat conversation for JMU softball greats, given how she played on such a big stage. Obviously, Megan's career accomplishments might be slightly ahead of hers yeah I agree I that's what I was going to say and then I stopped myself just because I don't want to get into the debate yet I think it's definitely a worthy debate to have and probably will be had by JMU fans and JMU podcasts like us and the sports blog guys alike because it's just easy content it's actually a great question I just don't want to get into it right now because I still want to appreciate what she did yeah, and it was it was unbelievable. Like the way she played in every series, this team and program was you know extremely lucky to have her and have her stick around as long as she did. And I mean, it's it's a team that will certainly be missed. Yeah, I mean, what they're now losing: Meeks, Gordon, Alexander, um, Nyokas. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with the the redshirt, other redshirt juniors, where you talk about Sarah Jubis, who may or may not agree. 
and all that stuff. I haven't seen really any information on, on that, Michelle Sullivan. So hopefully that information is eventually released or maybe I missed it, but. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen anything about who's returning next year. I would love to see that, whether it's from Shane at the DNR or if it's from Jamie Softball themselves, I would love to see who's coming back next year. Exactly. They also had that, uh, they had a welcome back party in Harrisonburg that seemed to be very well attended. There was a picture that surfaced. Um, I forgot who was the original tweeter of it, but it's been kind of passed around. Different accounts have posted it. Absolutely insane. The amount of people that were flocked around Odyssey getting an autograph from her. Yeah, just super cool. And they changed the time like three times. So to still have the, to still have the crowd be that big, it's supposed to be four o'clock. And then they were getting in earlier, it would be like three thirty, and it moved to two thirty. Or th I mean, it just kept moving around. But for them to actually do it and have a, a big crowd is, is super cool. They captivated uh, the nation and Jamie Nation. I don't think we'll ever see a JMU team capped unless men's basketball. Really, I think the only the only way for a JMU team to captivate the nation would be a men's basketball march run. I wonder if the women's team could get, like if the women's team went like final four at some point, I bet they would get a decent amount just because women's basketball, I feel like now is starting to get reasonable coverage. So I feel like they could have a similar ESPN style run. But even then it would still be, it would still be tough. Cause I, I think Harrisonburg may be a little more of a, uh, a baseball softball community than it is a, Oops, community. Yeah, that's very, very valid. Also, no, don't know how, real, how realistic it is that they will be making a final four run. Because that sport's stupid hard to break through in. <laughs> well, hey, I, I think they're going to be nuts the next two years when it's basketball. Yeah, I do too. 100%. I also think men's basketball will be pretty darn good for the next, as long as Byington's there. Do I you would. I was just going to say, if men's basketball made like a Final Four run, the scene in Harrisonburg would be gross. Like, that'd be so much fun to go to. <laughs> that would be, there would be burning of things. There would be, there if, yeah, that would be absolutely insane. Because it would really happen with students there. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. They would all flock out of everywhere and just storm the quad. I guess that explains the burning. You weren't, you weren't really expecting, you know, Harrisonburg fifth-year-old community members to light captures on fire, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't expect them all to flock to Veterans Memorial Park at the welcome back ceremony and start flipping cars. Do you, I guess it, I don't want to be premature and start like speculating about next season and stuff like that, but I'm going to do just that, just a quick hit. What do you think out of the team next season? Like I, Women's College World Series probably is not Jamie fans, if that's what you expect out of this team for the next 10 years please dial back your expectations. But what do you think is a reasonable expectation for this team next season? This is where I got slightly sad at the end of the last Oklahoma game. Like first it was obviously like crying. Started laughing. But I think for me, like it's so hard to get back here. Like it's, it's really hard to get back to this point. So next year, like, I think the consistent goal every year should be to make a regional and yeah. put yourself in a position to be competitive in the regional. Like one.
series selection committee hates mid-majors the NCAA selection committee really not a big mid-major fan so I uh it's gonna be hard yeah I I think that's a good point about saying the goal should be making it to a, a regional and to be competitive because you never know what, what's going to happen from there. Maybe you luck out and you get a good region like we did against Tennessee and Liberty, both very beatable teams. And then you luck out, you have Missouri as your next team. Um, not saying Missouri was an easy out by any means, because that was an intense series as well, but definitely maybe even hosting regionals. But since the committee hates them, that probably, even if they go undefeated through the CAA and have two losses in a fantastic out-of-conference schedule, they probably still wouldn't even give them up. I'm excited too. like recruiting within the state, I think is fascinating because like Liberty is pretty good. Virginia Tech had a really good year. UVA just built a new facility. So you've got two power fives. You got another good mid-major. You got that. Then you're probably looking at kids that other power fives are looking at at this point. So, I mean, the fact that they got Megan Good and Odyssey Alexander who had a combined like one division one scholarship offer outside of JMU and had them become these great pitchers is a very hard like model to consistently follow. You're probably not going to be able to do that forever, but I mean, Hey, they've done it twice. We'll see what happens. But I mean, I think you're also going to want to grab some of these like, Oh, Hey, this is a top 25 player nationally. And like, she thinks JMU is cool and she's from the area and you can grab her. So recruiting is really fun to watch. Yeah. Recruiting be a big thing. And also I think the development of Alyssa Humphrey, from this season to next, from next season to the following. That's huge. I wonder how the radar guns work. Because at one point in like the regional, I feel like she wasn't going over like 63. One of her pitches in the, in the Women's College World Series, their gun had her at like 67. Like, I don't know if she was just like amped, which would make sense. <laughs> but like if she can pitch anywhere, if she gets anywhere near 70 miles per hour with a 45 mile per hour changeup, She's going to be extremely irritating to try to hit against. So that would be the most. Can you imagine watching a pitch go by you at 68, just 68, 68, and then the next pitch, she just throws a lame duck 45 mile an hour changeup at the bottom of the plate, and you just use freeze. How, how are you supposed to deal with that? And if she gets you to two strikes in that situation where you have to defend the plate and you can't like guess on a pitch, I feel like you're screwed. Because like if you're you're timed up with a 45 mile an hour pitch and she throws it, you know, high sixties to 70, like you're not catching up. And if you're expecting kind of the fastball and it comes in and you swing and then you sit there for a second or two and you're waiting, the ball still hasn't crossed home plate. You're probably furious. So that'll be interesting. And then getting a second pitcher who is like, like Alyssa was good enough to come in and really help them in the regional and super regional. So I don't know if that's Bermudez developing or Caleb Bozeman developing, or if they end up adding more, but I'm interested to see, too, like what they can do pitching depth-wise because they did absolutely put everything on Odyssey's shoulders. I think it'll probably be Bermudez um, just because that's what we saw when Odyssey was out. She kind of step, stepped up. But, I mean, if Bozeman has a, a large jump in terms of development, maybe they even have three arms that they could run through CAA with, which wouldn't be too surprising because no offense to the CAA, but it's, it's not a Power 5 conference. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. I don't know. Alyssa Humphrey's development is, is going to be the key for how or pulling another transfer, but I would like to see Humphrey kind of grow within her role at JMU and, and become that workhorse who throws 15 million pitches in a postseason run. That's just insane, too. Over 1,000 pitches thrown and her arm didn't fall off. I know softball is different than baseball, but Jesus, that's got to do something to your shoulder. 
Yeah, she was definitely tired by the end. I think it was a an unbelievable run. So I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I hope she's able to maybe tries to play a little bit professionally. I don't know if she will, but it would be fun if she did. Alyssa or Odyssey? Odyssey. She, I just saw her like a tweet. Do you know Athletes Unlimited? Yeah. She, someone, I think it was Coach Christie, um, whoever that is, no idea. That, that person just appeared and was Jamie's biggest cheerleader. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> it was really – has over 7,000 followers. Seems like is a kind of a larger voice in the softball world. Um, but that almost might be because Jamie fans just kept retweeting her, so I kept seeing her. Um, but she tweeted something about Athletes Unlimited should think about, like, redoing their draft after the Women's College World Series. That way Odyssey can be drafted, and Odyssey like the tweet. So I was like, oh, maybe, maybe, if some, maybe if Athletes Unlimited reached out to Odyssey, I wouldn't be surprised. You know what is a bummer, though? This is a huge bummer. Odyssey can't be drafted to the USSSA Pride. Are they out of roster spots? No, they are no longer in the National Pro Fast Pitch. What are they playing? They just are an independent team. Oh. So I guess you could sign with them, but I thought that was weird. That was just a little tidbit I wanted to drop. I know nothing about professional softball, so that is that is helpful information. I also didn't realize Alyssa was as good as she was. She was a, like a top 75 recruit in the 2020 class by Softball America, so – her potential is, is pretty exciting if she can keep getting that velocity up. And I don't know, man, I'm excited about the future for that program. I think they've got some, some good players at the same time. They're replacing a ton of talent. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was very, very reassuring to see Alyssa Humphrey step in when she did in big moments and produced, I don't think, did she allow a run? Uh, I think Oklahoma got to her a little bit. Okay. But other than that, I mean, that someone might have got. I don't think Liberty did. I think Missouri got like one offer. I think they had like a solo homer. Okay, and then she had one earned run in um, the last Oklahoma game. But I mean, that's fantastic for a freshman who spot minutes is really good, and I think that's very, very promising for the future. I'm excited about this team. I think they've they've been fun to watch for a few years. So now that there's more of that. Jamie bandwagon on them. I'm excited for, for people to grow in their fandom and keep getting better and learning more about the Dukes. It was a, a really exciting spring because of them. Yes, it was. And now I think the podcast takes a two month hiatus until football comes back in August. I think so. That, that probably makes the most sense. We might have some random guest things if we want to do it, but yeah, there's probably not going to be a ton from us for our loyal listeners yeah i mean we this season as like a quick look back now that we're done looking back on the jamie softball season but a quick look back on the jamie sports news podcast season we topped out at over a hundred listeners almost every week this year it's pretty darn good yeah so thank you to all of our listeners from the bottom of our hearts um i don't actually i know about it this is from the bottom of bennett's heart i won't speak for him he's kind of a crash individual <laughs> crass individual um no but it's honestly crazy the growth we saw this season compared to past seasons like when we came back i'm trying to see when we started when we came back in october of 2020 we were hitting over 100 in almost all of them we had a little bit of a lull between november to december but then our our 
listenership really grew. So keep telling your friends and we appreciate you guys listening to over an hour of us rambling about Jamie sports. And uh, I think next year's got a chance to be borderline historic with some of these teams. Like football is going to be darn good. I think they could be the favorite to win it all. You've got a men's basketball team that is competent. That's new. Never have we gone into an off season about men's basketball and be like, this is a competent team that we feel that we're not guessing that they'll be the dark horse contender. We know they're going to be the, one of the favorites to win the CAA next season. Because we absolutely have guests before, both of us. <laughs> well, like- every, every year during the row era, I think you would hear us on our basketball preview pod and be like, I think this team might be the dark horse to, you know, just shock the world. And they, uh, they were shocking when you watched them, I'll tell you that much, uh, but not in a great way. So <laughs> we've got that next year. I think the women's team is going to be really good. We've got a bunch of other sports, field hockey, lacrosse, softball. We'll see what happens with baseball, but they're going to be soccer. Women's golf was good. So, I mean, they got a lot of – that's a hard one to, like, I guess people don't really go out and, like, watch women's golf, but fun one to track. So I'm excited for the future next year. And also, like, the fact that fans can actually attend basketball games in the new arena, I'm excited to actually get there. I've not been there. I'm an hour away. They had all these COVID protocols. I couldn't go to a game. I was getting upset. Please let me know when you're going, and I will walk down from Hoboken, New Jersey, to the Atlantic Bank and Union, whatever. I still don't know what that freaking place is called. I forget what they cut out and what they didn't cut out. It's, I don't know. Atlantic Bank. There's definitely a bank, because people want to call it bank, which I'm still not sold on. I don't know. Atlantic Union Bank Center. That sounds right. The AUBC. It's the yeah, that's, right. that's good work there. It took out trust. It used to be the Atlantic Banking uh, Union yeah. Trust Center. I don't know. I think I can't, I can't wait to go. That environment is hopeful. I'm actually interested to see that environment because I don't there's like they got a lot of seats in there. So I don't <laughs> I don't know how many people are really going to these games. I think the season was the perfect season to have before the season to get everyone really hyped. See, I used to say that it would be good to get rid of row a year earlier so they could have done this and jamie fans kind of pushed back and it turns out they're right they knew a pandemic was coming and it just worked out really well that was actually that was genius of them the players are familiar with the facility and if you like guard play you're gonna love jamie men's basketball next year. yeah about 15 guards and two players that are six seven so it's gonna be fun Ultra, ultra small ball. They're just going to run one through five. It's going to be just guard, 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 guard. If Bob Weiss could root for a men's basketball team, it would be the small ball, JMU Dukes. Give me a Bob Weiss coached JMU football team, basketball team. The Turks are underway. Turks. We're really getting to the rambling part of this podcast. We're talking about, wow. How are they doing? I think they're one in a one. Let me look. Chris Long is going to throw out the first pitch at a Charlottesville Tom Sox game. I got that press release. Who is? Chris Long, Charlottesville. How did they get him? He lives in Charlottesville and is all Charlottesville all the time. I knew he lived in Charlottesville, but wow. His brother Kyle used to live in Hoboken, and uh, I was getting to, I was trying to become friends with him because he worked on a show that I worked for, and then he uh, decided to go and sign with the Chiefs. I mean, I think it'd be kind of cool if we were invited to a Turks game. You and me, simultaneous first pitch. 
<laughs> We're local celebs, man. Jamie Sports News. <laughs> you can sign autographs for people who like don't want them. And they're like, what are you what are you handing me? And it's a napkin with our signature. So we have a bright future ahead of us. Oh man. All right. For Bennett Conlin, it's been a fantastic season. Jamie Softball shocked the world. Odyssey Alexander's the biggest star in softball, even today, a few days after Jamie got bounced. Thank you for listening this season, this year. We look forward to next year in two months when football gets underway again. My name's Jack Fitzpatrick. I don't know if I already said that. See ya! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.